You're listening to Let's Talk Cuyahoga, a podcast that explores county initiatives and pulls back the curtain to reveal the work and the people who are driving Cuyahoga County forward. This month, we ask the question, how is Cuyahoga County responding to residents who are experiencing homelessness? I'm Don Calavini from the Communications Department. This month, the Office of Homeless Services is launching a strategic action plan for homelessness with an ambitious goal to reduce homelessness in Cuyahoga County by 25% by the year 2027. We'll hear from county leaders about the plan, from some community partners who work with residents needing housing assistance. And we begin with the director of Cuyahoga County's Office of Homeless Services, Melissa Sirak. Melissa, welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here with you today, Don. I know this has been a long time coming, the strategic action plan, and you've been living with it for a while, but for a lot of people, um, this might be the first time that they're hearing about it, and, and it's a big deal. Can you tell the average Cuyahoga County resident why this is a big deal, why they should care about this? We are extremely excited about the plan, Don. I would say first and foremost, when we think of Cuyahoga County and the homeless continuum providers that we have that provide service to our residents, we are first and foremost needing to note that they are strong partners, that they are effective, and there's a strong partnership that has been there for over 30 years that our office has existed. This plan is extremely important. It is the first ever that is a continuum-wide plan that we can uh, transparently and um, effectively paint the picture of of what we currently do and how we will elevate and enhance that work to hopefully end homelessness and at least reduce it in the interim. It's something where um, when you look at the the past 10 years, what you've had in place uh, for operations is the, the Cuyahoga County Continuum of Care. And it's been pretty successful in terms of numbers over the last couple of years. It absolutely has. Uh, we definitely learned throughout the pandemic. As I mentioned, we already have a strong continuum of care. Yeah. However, we learned that in a time of crisis that none of us could have predicted um, how strong we actually were to serve our community and, and ensure that every resident was safe that was needing shelter services during that time. One of the largest um, lessons learned, I would say, during that time was particularly around the traditionally unsheltered population and recognizing that as we deconcentrated shelter, and used alternative shelter locations that was more of an independent living space. Not surprisingly, you provide individuals with a more uh, customized individual living space, not, you know, 400 individuals in one shelter. Right. They are more able to focus on their housing plan, to focus on their mental health, to focus on their AOD, uh, and feel safe in that environment to do so. And that lesson learned has led to part of our direction in the strategic plan, which is to really transform our current shelter system and the facility themselves to being dignifying and more humane. The first goal is to improve engagement and access. That means we have set a goal that we believe every individual should be well aware of how to access our services in the community um, and also be engaged in more holistic services. So as someone comes in seeking shelter, how do we link them up with mental health services? How do we link them up with AOD and also really looking at this will probably be a common theme that you'll hear as we'll talk about the plan but how do we customize the services that we provide in the community oh so well already for those populations so for the young adults coming in the seniors that sadly are ending in shelter LGBTQ community really looking at diversely providing those services but maintaining our core services that are within the community. The second goal is to improve the experience of persons in crisis housing. 
what is the definition of crisis housing? So those would be our temporary shelters, emergency shelters that we currently have within the community. And how long does a person generally stay in crisis housing? Is it a a long-term situation, a short-term situation when you talk about crisis housing? The the length of stay does vary. Ultimately, we hope um, that it's 60 days or less. That does not always happen, though. However, unfortunately, we've seen a drastic change in that during the pandemic. And, of course, as we have a lack of affordable housing stock, as well as greatly contributed to length of stay increasing in some ways as well. Okay. The uh, third goal is to expand housing stabilization and capacity. That is looking at how we provide additional housing units within the community. What we greatly learned during the feedback of this plan and the facilitation of it was that it's not necessarily just about um, creating more affordable units. It's also working to strengthen partnerships with landlords that already exist in our community. So how can we better, um, you know, there's many apartments that aren't being used, many units that aren't being used. How can we incentivize landlords to work with the individuals that we serve, allow them to live there. They're no different than anyone else. So how can we strengthen the pool of landlords and those partnerships that we already have in order to get individuals housed? Yeah, so that's such an interesting idea that there there are um, areas where there are available um, units, housing mm-hmm. units, and it's not helping any landlord to have those go vacant. So you have to build those relationships, though. Is that really um, one of the big challenges of that part of the project? It, it definitely is, especially when you're trying to establish new landlords um, that are willing to um, work and partner with our system. Um, mm-hmm. We were That's one area when we think of COVID where we were extremely creative um, over the last three years, looking at assisting landlords with repairs, looking at paying double security deposit or double rent, um, kind of trying to better their situation while they're also, you know, giving a hand up to someone that's in our system and, and needs housing because we believe in housing first, first and foremost. And and then the idea is, you know, they're renting really to, to you or to, you know, whatever one of our community partners is working with this, but um, eventually getting the person who's living there to a place where they can take over and and be more self-sustained. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, The fourth goal is to um, connect clients to income and benefits. And I think you alluded to this before, you know, the the access and the engagement and um, finding the the residents who need these services, uh, you've got to have those relationships with all of the different agencies that are going to be able to help them. Um, but the customization, that really comes down to the, the people in the office, right? Yes. And you hit it spot on with your last comment about sustainability. Mm-hmm. I think housing retention and self-sufficiency is an area that our continuum of care can improve upon. Um, It's not enough just to house someone. Um, You can't expect them, especially if they've never lived on their own, independent living skills. You know, how do I maintain this housing? And income is just one main piece, right? It's the priority. So our continuum has done workforce work um, along with our homeless services throughout easily the last intensively probably last five to eight years. We're elevating it now, though, recognizing it's not enough just to give housing. How do we link them up with income and benefits from the front door? of entering our shelter system so that they're provided the given support after finding that housing and obtaining that housing until they're able to be self-sufficient and manage it on their own. 
we're going to walk beside them every step of the way. So yeah, that's we look, a process, right? It absolutely is. So we look to what, what does that look like, though? That's um, finding additional employers that are willing to hire and retain our clients. It's also working, and it's get, kind of getting into the next pillar of how can we, even within our continuum of care, create opportunities for people that we serve to be employed to be able to share their experience. And one facet, lastly, when we look at income and benefits, um, is also looking at how do we compensate individuals with lived experience for uh, the feedback that they're giving us into the system, for being involved in committee meetings, just valuing their their expertise and what they have to give in a compensated way. Okay. Um, The fifth goal is to build system capacity. So that is largely focused on both uh, the Office of Homeless Services, which serves as the lead agency for the continuum of care, and it's also focusing on um, adding additional capacity to to our providers. Uh, starting with our office first, our office has been ex- in existence for uh, about 30 years, and we are a small but mighty staff of four that's responsible for the, the strategizing, the coordinating, the convening of, of our strategy to end homelessness in the community. Um, our office is also additionally responsible for $72 million for the procurement, contracting, and monitoring. So we do a lot of off, a lot of work in, with a small office. So um, since we are the lead, as they obtained feedback through this plan, our office was looked at just as well as the services. Mm-hmm. Um, how well is the lead doing? And it was clearly identified that we're doing well and we're supporting the continuum well, but they need more. So in order to do that... Um, you know, it's with advocacy with and county executives blessing that hopefully we'll expand our staff to lift this plan up. This is going to be additional work. And then when we look at um, where we are after the pandemic and as we emerge from the pandemic, you have um, providers similar to just workforce in general that are struggling with um, hiring, retaining staff, yeah. increased in operational costs to provide these services, oftentimes where the funding has been stagnant throughout the years. So in order to lift up this plan successfully, we will need to show investment in the continuum of care as a whole as well um, so that they're able to lift up the plan with us. As you looked at the strategic action plan and you saw the early drafts and you looked at these five goals, um, which one do you feel like is going to be the biggest challenge? I think the housing will be. I think there are are some ways that our, our continuum of care can improve upon that that are within our control. I believe that we have the ability to create those relationships Um, and cultivate, foster those relationships with landlords if resources are also provided in order to do so. However, there's an element that I think we're all seeing in the community right now and in society of just a a lack of affordable housing across across the board Mm -hmm. for many individuals and the cost of everything going up. Well, yeah, the the housing prices just last year were through the roof. And I know there's a bit of a reset now, but it's still... Hi, it's expensive to live. <laughs> and in the survey, um, some of the clients, one of the questions they were asked is, what is your largest concern when you think about housing? And not surprisingly, their response was affording it. How do I, how do I maintain it once I receive it? Will, will I be able to find a job? Is my employment enough? Just will I have the means to make, to make it happen and, and sustain it? How can you ensure that um, there are fewer occasions of that housing crisis. So we're always striving to have homelessness rare, brief, and non-reoccurring. And I think that that 
has to be a common thread throughout our system. And it exists, but again, we're enhancing and elevating, right? So that means it starts at the front door with diversion. Um, talking with someone is, do, where did you stay last night? Do you have an aunt, you know, trying to mediate maybe? Do you have somewhere else you can stay? Ultimately, we don't want anyone to, to enter into our system. So diversion is first and foremost what our system does. Um, but if they have to enter our shelter system, looking at how do we wrap those services around them in a customized way, getting the housing plan set up as quickly as possible, addressing other crisis needs that they have as they're coming in, and following them with case management all the way through their initial needs being met to completing the housing application, and then hopefully giving them the key to open their own home. Melissa Sirak is the director of Cuyahoga County's Office of Homeless Services. Next up, we'll speak with community partners who work with residents experiencing homelessness on Let's Talk Cuyahoga. The Summer Youth Employment Program is accepting applications. Cuyahoga County residents who are in the 8th through 12th grade are invited to apply with Youth Opportunities Unlimited and get help finding a summer job. Summer jobs are shown to improve graduation rates and disrupt the cycle of economic inequality. For more information about the Summer Youth Employment Program, go to cuyahogacounty.us slash podcast. You're listening to Let's Talk Cuyahoga. We've been discussing the Strategic Action Plan for Homelessness in Cuyahoga County. And joining me now to talk about resources that are available to those who are experiencing literal homelessness is the Vice President of Housing and Shelter for Lutheran Metropolitan Ministries, Michael Searing, and LMM Shelter Coordinator, Angelo Anderson. Thank you so much both for being Thank here. Thank you for having us. Glad to be here. Um, we are talking about homelessness. And so I guess we should start with, for somebody who's not familiar with LMM, um, how do you address homelessness in Cuyahoga County? Mm -hmm. So Lutheran Metropolitan Ministry is a little over a 50-year-old nonprofit organization, and we've been operating the men's shelter at 2100 Lakeside since 2005. And I think what's really important to know for addressing homelessness is that it's a very well-coordinated system, and it starts at coordinated entry with our partner's frontline service, and our community ensures there are enough beds for everyone who needs one. So our agency provides beds for um, men who are homeless, uh, as well as the family overflow shelter. And I think one of the things that was stressed in the um, strategic action plan was making the shelter environment feel more welcoming, more accessible. Um, Angelo, how long have you had an association with LMM? Since 2005. Since 2005. Uh, but I've had an association with 2100 since 2000. Okay. Um, we've always been welcoming. You know, we try real hard to make sure that uh, it's a safe environment because um, some people have an uh, adverse thought on entering into a shelter, you know, but once we get a chance to actually talk with a person and they realize that, hey, I can get this a shot and it can help me maybe get off the street then you see that it's a big change. It's a big difference. Yeah, well, my question is going to be if you've seen a change over that period of time, but it sounds like... Uh, we we pretty adapt pretty quick. Start. Yeah. We don't have a choice. It's always changing. Our population is always changing. The needs are always changing. So we have to change with it. 
And there's a big difference between um, crisis housing and, and long-term housing when you're talking about, you know, the overarching um, issue in Cuyahoga County. And how does LMM address that, mm-hmm. Michael? Yeah, so uh, we want to make sure the, collectively that there's enough um, shelter beds for, for everyone that needs one. So someone's most immediate concern, they are homeless today, we got to have a place for them today. But then at the same time, I think the strategic plan is trying to look at what are the resources, what are the options to get people into housing as soon as possible. One other uh, thought I was thinking about uh, discussing uh, shelters being welcoming is is really important. Um, our shelter and, and the other shelters in the community are referred to as low barrier. So um, not a lot of barriers or hoops to jump through to come and get shelter. You know, you don't have to have an ID. You don't have to be sober. Um, we just want you safe and, and in shelter. Uh, another part of being welcoming, I think, is the actual configuration of shelter. And uh, for those that have been to 2100 shelter they know it's a congregate setting so um, 365 beds um, a little bit kind of um, we call them dorms maybe a little uh, barrack kind of style and from covid uh, we were able to um, get some funds to start a little bit of some upgrades and renovations of like developing these little pods like giving people a little more separation but the the better solution than that is what we're um, going through right now with the county uh, having purchased the building right next to 2100 and doing um, a major full renovation and it's gonna um, have a hundred beds but it, it, we don't need a hundred bed more capacity we need better spaces for people so once we build that out we think that that'll be more private and and more welcoming from a a structural standpoint what's the timeline for that Uh, that is supposed to open uh, the this fall and we're excited about that and we're already planning on how are we going to you know shift and and staff it and and all of that Uh, and then also through uh, county arpa funding uh, there's some additional dollars available and we'll be able to uh, renovate 2100 itself and and make that um, nicer as well in your first experiences um, with lmm i'm sure you were a different person and now you are seeing all sorts of uh, different populations coming together. And what have you noticed? I mean, I'm sure your attitudes have changed as well. Um, How do you help people um, live collaboratively in that way? Um, By being, um, meeting them where they're at, by showing respect always first and encouraging them to do the same with each other. And eventually you see a collaboration between them, themselves. You know, that makes it easier for us because it's more of you than it is of me. (laughs) And (laughs) if you guys can figure out a way to work together, it'll make this journey a lot easier and shorter. I'm sure there are some days where it seems a little overwhelming, but are you able to celebrate the successes? Yeah, we celebrate our successes every day. I think it hasn't been a day. I know it ain't been a week when we ain't moved somebody into permanent housing. Mm-hmm. We haven't had a week of, of non-movement in a long, long time. So um, we, 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 we celebrate that. You know, we said, whoa, wasn't that got his apartment? You know, how'd that happen? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and um, we let the other guys know, you know, he got, you know, this is what he did to do it. You know, this is how, how we helped him. 
how can we help you? You know, and our celebration comes when we do the discharge. That's the last step. Well, it's the it's the last step for the shelter as far as it stay at the shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, with within the, that new strategic plan, there's going to be a place and an expansion of um, wraparound services that follow an individual once they leave a shelter, and that is the key to keeping them back in their home and not coming back into the shelter. Um, Without that follow-up, and I do a lot of, that's what I do now, a lot of the follow-up. You know, I'm on the phone all day long. You know, (laughs) when I'm not on the phone, I'm sitting there spaced out because of something that just happened on the phone. (laughs) But I I try to find ways to encourage, and um, it's mostly encouragement. You listen, you don't judge, then you find a way to encourage them to take the next step and go with them together to face whatever adversity they're facing at the time. Uh, We take for granted the fact that, hey, uh, we got a block sewer. We got to go call. We got to do whatever we got to do. That would be devastating for somebody out of homelessness. You know, um, it might take a half a day to, to calm somebody down because the toilet is stopped up. You know, but that's what we do. You know, that's how we keep a person in his house. That's how we keep a person growing. I think it's the fact that we encourage growth, which makes us successful. And um, we're going to continue to try to get better at doing that. I I love that concept of um, celebration. I think that most people wouldn't think of a homeless shelter as a place to where you can celebrate because it is, it is um, people in crisis. Ooh, um, that's the shock factor when you get up on that first morning and you're in a new house and nobody else is there. There's that shock factor. There's the shock factor that, hey, you pay your rent, nobody's going to put you out. We're there for them. We take them to appointments, and all all along the route, we're encouraging them to be able to do it on their own the next time. Well, that's you know? scary, though, you know, because you're on your. There's that tension between yeah. wanting to do it all yourself, but then not having to do how. it all yourself, yeah, and not, not having how. those checks and balances. Yeah. So uh, today, and whenever I take a client to an appointment, I try to take the bus route that they would have to use if they went on their own. And I say, this is where you would catch the bus from your house. And we would go where they're going. And then when we get there, I say, they're going to bus stop that you would stand at when you go back home. You know, and so, and it, it takes a little time maybe to drive the bus route. But in doing that, it encourages them to, that they can do it, you know, without getting lost. As you look at these goals and and you look at this uh, strategic action plan and uh, the expectations, what are some areas where you'd you'd like to see more um, community partnerships? Yeah, I think uh, the, well, first of all, I like that it is a action plan and that just, you know, gets you going. This is not something to sit on the shelf. This is like, we really got to, you know, build this out and, and, and carry it out. 
the strategic action plan uh, does include better connections with some of the other um, peripheral systems, not just the homeless housing system. So for instance, there's some already some action on it to better coordinate with the workforce development partners. And if they have someone that needs shelter or housing, they can connect with us. If we have, um, clearly we have people that need workforce development, how do we best connect with them? And finding the right mix, which, which one is the best suit for any you know certain person um, versus just um, it maybe could be willy-nilly like which one you end up connecting with. Can you talk about the um, different programs that you've seen start you know because of, of COVID and things that you were dealing with over the last few years that are now going to be part of the program moving forward. Um, I think we talked about direct cash. Definitely yeah so is is terrible as COVID was, there were a few things that are ultimately going to end up being opportunities for us longer term improvement that, that kind of started out of desperation during well, yeah, COVID. Yeah, it forced a lot of people to rethink the way things it were did. done. It did. It definitely did. So uh, one is um, shelters should have better spaces. And we talked a little bit about, you know, building that out and the, and the county's commitment to, um, to do um, better, better and more private spaces for people. Uh, you mentioned um, direct cash transfer, which is a pretty cool model, and it's been uh, operating in a few places nationally, but not um, specifically the way that we did it, where um, we had our staff talk with uh, residents at the shelter. Did they have friends and family that could take them in if we were able to provide some cash assistance? And a lot of people said yes. And it was really amazing. In a little over a year, we had 400 people move in with friends and family through this program. And that included 250 people at our shelter, 50 people at our partner at the women's shelter and 100 people with NIAC who works with unsheltered. So this idea really worked for multiple populations and it was really cool. 92% of people that um, engaged with us on this met this minimum requirement to be out of the shelter for at least two months. And then only 5% return to the shelter even after the two-month commitment. So the data is looking like 87% of people were housed with friends and family, rebuilt that connection, and I think it's really awesome. And it also points out that the link of poverty and homelessness and that there are friends and family who but they are such at the brink themselves that they can't another mouth to feed you know so just coming with some money and some resources and making it work has been been really amazing so that that is one that's called out in the strategic action plan for like you know more review and hopefully implementation Uh, one other thing during covid that we uh, did was uh, many people know that we were temporarily using some hotels to have some some good spaces for people, uh, but um, not everyone could, could go to the hotels. So we started master leasing apartments. This is a lease between LMM and the private landlord, and we got to control the unit, and we got to put the person in that we felt needed that unit. And the, and the landlord was glad to have us involved, have you know designated uh, rent that we 
would be paying. And we were able to move people successfully into housing. And then they could pick up the uh, lease from there. So it was like, wow, this is working between you guys. Now, LMM doesn't need to be involved forever. It's a landlord-tenant relationship after we got it started. So those were just some things that we really had great success with. And we think those are part of these solutions moving forward. That's awesome. And we've been talking about some success stories. I know you have uh, Portraits of Strength um, program or exhibit. And can you talk a little bit about that and um, where you'd like to see it go? Definitely. So we have been so uh, proud of the amazing staff we, we have that have lived experience in, in either um, formerly homeless or previously incarcerated. And that's been a hallmark of Lutheran Metro Ministry for decades, going back to the 80s at Community Ranchery and purposely hiring people that had come out of prison and show what amazing things that they can do in, in this community. And so at 2100, that is over half of our staff, you know, have that, that background. And we see that as an asset, you know, not the old way of thinking, oh, that's some kind of deficit no this this is the staff we want and uh, so in trying to highlight that um, we have 15 portraits uh, and um, corresponding stories you know from our staff about some of their trials and tribulations and, and how that's really made them even more prepared to work with our, our population so it's uh, portraits of strength stories of redemption uh, so far we had our opening at City Hall and uh, we were at Trinity Cathedral and uh, we'll be looking for other high visible places to really continue to um, promote that and I'm so glad uh, to have Angelo a staff partner who was part of that and tells his story and it's really I think motivational and and inspirational for people. And Angelo so if somebody that you're working with says to you well what do you know about all this you know (laughs) your your response sir is that I've probably been where you're at I was homeless for eight and a half years and when I, when I was out there, there were no shelters. So the opportunities are much better for you now than they were when I was out there. Um, the fact that I've probably been through what you're going through means that you can talk to me about it, and I won't sugarcoat it with you. What we need is the, the community at large to realize that homelessness isn't going away but homelessness can be uh, eradicated, you know, to the point where it's more manageable if we work together. You know, we need more landlords to work with us and to be um, open to giving our, our, our clients and our residents a, a shot at permanent housing. I think it's a, a great question when, when people ask, you know, how can they help? And I think about, like, you know, where, where are you in your life? What, what are your capacities? If you're uh, an employer, make sure you ban the box and you don't just, you know, rule people out. If you um, are a, a landlord, you know, be, you know, be open-minded to people. Don't discriminate on, on source of income. Uh, if you um, have the ability to volunteer at the shelter, uh, we had over 2,000 volunteers a year pre-COVID. Our numbers dipped. We're probably at about 500, but we're building that back up. 
We have an amazing group got nicknamed the Sewing Ladies, and they come and they mend clothes. So how can they help? They love to sew, and we have guys with tattered clothes. You know, that's that's how they can help. We had uh, some elementary school kids. You know, they can't exactly come to the shelter and volunteer. They made have a nice day notes, and we put them in the lunches for guys. You know, going to work and, and taking a lunch with them. So there are all uh, different ways to help. And I guess when the when the time comes and and the um, county levy is up, we need people to vote for that to make sure that there's resources. To, to pull off the strategic action plan. Well, thank you so much to Michael Searing and Angelo Anderson from Lutheran Metropolitan Ministries. Next up, we'll hear from county leaders at the launch of the strategic action plan for homelessness. You're listening to Let's Talk Cuyahoga. The Homeless Stand Down is a one-day event where essential goods and services are available for people who are experiencing homelessness in Cuyahoga County. This year's Homeless Stand Down is on April 22nd from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Cleveland Public Auditorium. Residents who attend will have access to necessary resources, respite from the elements, and a reconnection to their community. For more information about the Homeless Stand Down, go to cuyahogacounty.us slash podcast. You're listening to Let's Talk Cuyahoga. We've been discussing Cuyahoga County's Strategic Action Plan for Homelessness, a five-pillared approach with the ambitious goal of reducing homelessness by 25% by the year 2027. At the official launch of this initiative, County Executive Chris Ronane talked about the importance of support coming from all areas of government and our community. I want to say uh, of our uh, work in Office of Homeless Services, representatives talked with nearly 30 people with lived experiences as they were working on this plan. Uh, And one story stood out to them. OHS met a man named Chuck. Chuck had served three tours of duty in Iraq, but returned home to Cuyahoga County with a lot of personal (laughs) issues confronting him, obviously, because he'd been through the trauma of what he experienced in Iraq. Mental wounds of war impacted Chuck's relationship with his daughter, he had trouble holding down a job, and Chuck's use of drugs helped him numb the pain of what he was experiencing in Iraq, both there and in his post-traumatic experience. Ultimately contributed to his homelessness. After living on the streets for months, Chuck was able to connect with caring staff at LMM. He received the human-centered compassion and grace he needed to finally address his addiction. And within months, Chuck found a job and was able to leverage housing supports and resources from the homeless continuum to finally get in his own place that he needed. So thank you to the partners at Lutheran Metropolitan Ministries, but to all of you, you all confront stories like this in the work you do every day. I wanna say somewhere in our family, somewhere in our lineage, somewhere in our future, someone that we know or is a family member to us is going to experience homelessness. I had a member of my family that lived in what we then called single room occupancy housing. It was a period of their life where they were in an SRO, and I don't know if that's the term appropriate to these days, but what I focus on as a county leader is things like zoning that supports the work that we do to help people onboard. And if you peel back layers of that onion, you get to somebody in your family, in your heart that you can know and you see and you know them by name, you're gonna get there on your advocacy. It's all together. So we've experienced that in our family, and I know you've experienced it somewhere in your work or in your family. So here's to Chuck and his returning. Here's to you and all the Chucks out there, the Marys, the Chucks, the whomever that you, that you help with and that you onboard back into a sustainable community and a life that works for what they need. Together, we're changing and improving the lives to combat homelessness in Cuyahoga County. And I want to just say to you all, humbled by you, thank you for you, and let's keep going. 
You can see the Strategic Action Plan for Homelessness in its entirety and find out more about the work to address housing insecurity in our community. Visit cuyahogacounty.us slash podcast. Let's Talk Cuyahoga is a podcast that explores Cuyahoga County initiatives and the people who make them happen. It's produced by the Cuyahoga County Multimedia and Communications teams, with special collaboration for this episode from Lester Holmes from Cuyahoga County's Department of Health and Human Services. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss our next episode. If you have any comments or questions about this podcast, or maybe a topic you'd like us to take on in a future episode, please email communications at cuyahogacounty.us. Let's Talk Cuyahoga.